Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Welcome back to Irish Illustrated Insider, brought to you by irishillustrated.com. We're in the off-season, so we're trying something new, sort of a short Monday podcast, talk about things we're working on this week, things that have caught our attention. Uh, we're going to try to get some interviews worked into the show. So for today's show, I've got uh, Chip Brown, who covers Texas for Scout.com. We'll have an interview at the end of the podcast, sort of looking at the Longhorns, recapping their spring practice. I'm joined, as usual, by Tim Priester and Tim O'Malley. And out of the gate, um, this is an idea that O'Malley had for us for this offseason to sort of do an Irish A to Z and sort of review every active player on the roster. We excluded incoming freshmen but added early enrollees. And I think, Tim, your perspective on that was not just to talk about how good they can be this season or maybe what will stop them from achieving their potential, but look at them in a historical perspective, too. Yeah, we went back and forth, the three of us, on, on figuring out categories that would be relevant for the summer, and I thought Tim came up with a good comparison, a career comparison. He has a volume of stats that we can use when stats apply, and if not, we'll, of course, just go back through through recent history the last 25 years or so and try and find a good career comparison. For instance, my first one this week is Hunter Biven. That's been a little bit of a challenge, but there's actually a lot of guys that, uh, that, that you know, entering their third year have been part of the varsity that haven't played, and that's kind of a search we're doing. Yeah, the whole, whole idea of the career comparison was to compare them to somebody that's that's really accomplished something. Well, of course, not every player on the roster uh, is in that situation. We'll, you'll see Nicky Barati first, and unfortunately, the immediate comparison for me is Dan McCarthy, who was who was sidelined by by Andrews. But as we go further, and and part of this was that my never-ending uh, process and collection of Notre Dame stats and trying to pull that all together into some cohesive form to be able to compare you know, individuals where they are stat-wise at, at various points of their careers. Yeah, it was, I, I have Chris Brown, who's not till the end of the week or early next week, but uh, it was interesting sort of looking at statistics because – you know, I haven't thought about Duval Kamara in uh, probably since Duval Kamara finished his Notre Dame career, yeah. and there there are some sort of statistical comparisons in their number of catches they've had at this point in career. Um, but also, you sort of get into somebody more like Raymond McKnight being sort of the high side, maybe not in touchdowns, but in terms of catches and yards as a senior. Could Chris Brown get there? So it was kind of fun looking at uh, those guys. And you know, as, as Tim Priester was saying, it's. You're not just because we always compare guys to guys who are great. Right. Um, we're always looking at sort of the best case scenario. So it was kind of interesting for me to look at. Well, well, who's a, a guy who was just good, or who's a guy that we you know we haven't thought about? Well, it took a in while five to years. develop, yeah. and, and put up the numbers. So you know, every, everything is Jalen Smith. Well, is it next Manti Teo? And as we'll actually get into that topic a little bit later because we want to address one sort of board thread that's sort of caught our attention in the last week on every uh, Monday show. But yeah, it was fun to do. I mean, another thing that I'm working on this week, I want to sort of look at Notre Dame's pass rush and figure out. Okay, so what? How much of a, I guess, overload schematic pass rush did they have? How much were they able to actually get guys free in one-on-one situations? And I think they finished with about 26 sacks last year. 
and I want to say 15 came from defensive linemen. So I want to look at those 15 in particular and see, okay, do they actually have somebody who can beat somebody one-on-one? Uh, you know, it's, I think people forget that Romeo Quar actually led the team in sacks last year with, with just four, uh, but that's still first. And you know how much was he able to get into guys? So I want to do more of a film review, sort of look at some of these sacks and see, okay, do they actually have a guy who can get somewhere, or, or is this all Brian Van Gorder and, like, wizardry and schematics and all that. And it's funny, you mentioned Aquara. I think it was four sacks and no hurries. And it seems almost impossible yeah. to go through a season, lead right. a team in sacks. He sacked Jameis Winston. And, and we, said, we always said that Isaac Rochelle wasn't a good pass rusher, but I think he led the team Yeah, in he hurries. led the team so, in hurries, and he was doing it all year. So it was a strange <laughs> it was a strange topic. The poor some guy. of the things that you're working on, Tim? Well, this week I'm actually on Baby Watch, but yeah. I, uh, yeah, it's at some point this How week. You doing with that? Yeah, at some point this Crib week. My assembly. Wife, my wife and I will be having her third child. But uh, as it turns out, I think the funny part about this, and not funny part but a fun part about the nd a to z was that we actually drafted the players and it was kind of interesting having that draft because one of us i'd say something oh that's a good pick and then priest really what's the criteria what's a good pick but i liked my jayla smith pick for later and it turns out i have the returning players and kavari and possibly ishak so it could get interesting later but this week i'm basically on the nd a to z i have a few guys in the b's here to work through and what i'll be working on this week uh, of course nfl draft not a not a uh, huge draft for notre dame ben koyak and and Cody Riggs at the top of that chart. Uh, Pete will take over once we get into the draft as I head to the Kentucky Derby, and I can report on that next week if you'd like me to. Uh, but also, as we move forward, I mean, this is where I start reverting back to, you know, tracking down a bunch of Nordame uh, former players. I mean, a couple guys, I hesitate to say names because it's not always, you're not always going to track down the person that you like. But I did make contact with Corey Miner a couple months ago, and then we kind of lost contact. But I think that'd be somebody that guys would be interested in Ryan Leahy who I ran into last uh, last September will be talking to uh, to him Randy Kinder a, a great speed back in Notre Dame didn't have many moves but he could run that's another guy that I'll be trying to track down you know another, kind of another regular segment that we want to have on our Monday podcast is just something that caught our attention and this is a good segue from from the NFL draft and that's a, a tweet Matt Miller put out if you don't know who Matt Miller is he's the Bleacher Reports NFL draft analyst is a pretty interesting follow on Twitter uh, and I believe it was over Sunday, tweeted, essentially he felt like Ronnie Stanley would have been the best tackle in this draft, uh, which I found sort of fascinating. And I think Ronnie Stanley did as well, since he replied to the tweet about how he's just here, insert Marsh, Marshawn Lynch, Lynch uh, voice. So, you know, it's, I think, Tim, you sort of looked over the, the, the top tackles out there. It's not really a very strong year for that No, position. it isn't. And I don't think it's a surprise to hear that we would, at this stage, say, you know, Ronnie Stanley would have been the, the best tackle. That was being said a couple months ago. Now, he had he didn't have to undergo the scrutiny that the other guys did of, of uh, um, you know, the combine and then the on-campus, the pro day. So he was able to kind of avoid a lot of the critique that comes with that. But I don't think it's – and, Tim, I don't think it's that much of a surprise to hear that. I'm glad he's still at Notre Dame. Maybe Ronnie Stanley doesn't feel that way. But I think Notre Dame certainly is going to benefit from this. Yeah, and I think two things on that. It's a projection five years from now. I think he, he projects better than anybody. He's such an athlete. He projects better than anybody at that position. But I go back to last September, Tim, when you and I talked to Ronnie Stanley, and you brought up – we were just sitting there in the interview room, and you brought up – Kavari Russell has been open saying that he would go pro if he had a great year. Now, this is when Kavari was suspended and we thought he might come back. And you said to Ronnie, would you, have you considered that at all? And he looked at you like you had two I heads. Yeah. I mean, I think he was telling the yeah, truth at yeah. that time that he had no intention 
of considering leaving Notre Dame. But things change. Uh, kids in a very high-profile situation. You've got people in their ear, people that can influence um, you know, their careers. And, and I think he was telling the truth when we both heard him say that, but he certainly changed his his opinion as, as the season went on and as the season uh, came to a close. Yeah, I think just for the sake of perspective there, Matt Miller is four tackles that would project as first-round picks, and they're D.J. Humphreys from Florida, Lyle Collins from LSU, who we saw in the Music City Bowl, Andres Pete, who we've seen Isaac Rochelle dumped him on his butt in the Stanford game here, and then Jake Fisher, who I really like from Oregon, who's sort of like a, a, ver- a sort of a Mike McGlinchey type of build at offensive tackle. Um, those are his four guys that would have first round grades and man you would think if Ronnie Stanley had come out this year that the end of the first round would have been pretty yeah realistic. and I but I love Andrews Pete I mean I, I've liked his game I don't know that he was always at the top of his game uh in college but I, I mean I, I love that kid coming out of high school I think he's, oh yeah I think he's a pretty I think he's a pretty good one that that Ronnie Stanley would have had a difficult time getting picked ahead of him now the difference I guess is that Stanley's a little bit more mobile obviously and a little bit more of a a pure left tackle, at least compared to Andrews Pete. Yeah, and I get you know Ronnie Stanley told us during spring ball, and this is something I reported way back in January that he got a second round grade from the NFL Draft Advisory Committee, and in hindsight, that looks about accurate because that's about where he would have ended up. Uh, you know, I mentioned at the top that we want to address sort of a, a board topic from the Four Horsemen Lounge that sort of got our attention. And O'Malley, there was one that really jumped out to you this week. Yeah, I thought one of our moderators, Gavin N.D., he, he posed the question, the type of question I like to discuss is how how good has Jalen Smith really been? And I think a few, uh, it's natural people will jump to his defense and say, you know, why he's the best player on Notre Dame's team, who's a better player than Jalen Smith? And that's not the question. We all, I think everyone looks at Jalen Smith entering his junior year and we all predict, if not absolute stardom, I, I think your baseline is first-team All-American, right? Is that, is that how you would look at Jalen Smith now? You would hope he would become a first-team All-American. But it's in retrospect. He was admittedly great for a freshman, having to start 13 games at a very difficult position in Bob Diaco's defense, the dog linebacker, which he was born to play. He was the Rams' best player last year that was still standing on a very bad defense. And, and I agree with some of the things in the thread that I was surprised he was named second-team All-American. And it's not a knock on him at all. It's just that... I am more projecting Jalen Smith to, as many great players do, become a great player into his third year. I don't think he has been great yet. Yeah, I, agree. I mean, I agree. And you, you talk to people around the program, sort of like on background a little bit, and they'll Jalen Smith freelanced a lot last year, and he was actually sort of a frustrating teammate at times for guys within that defense because they just felt like he Jalen had such a level of confidence in his own athletic ability that he, he would be like, those that rule, that call does not apply to me. I'm just going to go do my own thing. Uh, and sometimes that looked spectacular, and other times it didn't. But it was it was very difficult to pick up unless you were on the field and knew what the call was. So, I mean, it's he's got All-American potential. I don't think that he has achieved All-American status despite being named an All-American last year just based on the way that he played. And, I, I mean, he's – if. If Notre Dame was still running Bob Diaco's defense, I think Jalen Smith would be a preseason first-team All-American this year because he would have been a legitimate All-American last year because the dog linebacker is what he was built to play. I agree, and I think it's a little bit unfair to expect him to be a superstar after two years, mainly because he had he had to change coordinators and change positions. I mean, he was a player in transition last year. And, so, and then you throw on top of the fact that Brian Van Gorder's defense is not an easy thing 
to learn. I think he was put in a, in a tough situation. But I think we all agree that outside linebacker is his best position. That's where he will play on the next level. We first got a flash of just how much range he had when he was a freshman. And you start to see him make plays that you literally were like, what other Nordame linebacker has ever been able to do that? And Manti Tail was an inside linebacker, a different type of player. He had a phenomenal senior year, but we're talking about an outside linebacker, uh, different kind of player, different uh, uh, dimensions, just a, a different set of assets. So is is Jalen Smith a superstar? No, not yet. I mean, I don't think that I don't I, I don't think that he's really had a chance to mainly because of the transition of positions and. You know, I mean, I think, you know, I think I referred to this last week or the week before in a podcast that, you know, Brian Kelly made a joke about Jalen Smith saying, hey, I made the check. He was all proud of the check that he made. It was the wrong one, and it resulted in a big play. I, I don't think that the whole knowledge of the game is is set for him yet either. I yeah, think- and I mean, it's like the the Michigan game still comes to mind for he had this play against Derek Green, Michigan's running back, that reminded me of Taylor Mays against Armando Allen uh, when Notre Dame played at USC 2008 maybe. And it was, I mean, it was like kind of a Discovery Channel cheetah wounded antelope type of situation where Jalen Smith was the cheetah and Derek Green was the wounded antelope. And, I mean, we all know how that ends with, with a tackle for loss, obviously. Uh, so, I mean, I think, Jalen, you see that potential that either you God gave it to you or he didn't, and Jalen Smith has it, so it's just a matter of putting it all together. I'm glad Pete's favorite play in the last 10 years was able to make it to the podcast. Oh, God, I love that play. <laughs> I, uh, the next time I see a cheetah and an antelope, yeah, yeah. I will think of, of Jalen Smith. Well, I thought Tim made a good point. He's not a superstar yet. You know what? Neither is Ronnie Stanley or Kavari Russell or Cole Luke or well, Isaac Rochelle. That's what makes this team nor interesting. Nor was Manti Teo. Right. I mean, we think right. back. I mean, Brian Kelly, Pete, you, you mentioned before we went on the air. I mean, Brian Kelly was not very complimentary of Manti Teo's freshman year and even went so far as to say he wouldn't have played or, he, yeah. or you know, he wouldn't have been in, in, in the mix had he been the head coach. So... I don't think that's unnatural. I don't think anybody should take offense to the fact that that we or anybody else says that Jalen Smith is not a superstar yet. He's not, but he certainly has capabilities to be. All right, so we're going to wrap up the show. We've got an interview with Chip Brown coming up from the Texas site, and I don't know if you guys have looked into Texas a whole lot, but, I mean, that that's a quarterback competition uh, that may not have a winner at all, whereas I think Notre Dame's is the opposite. It may have two winners. Um a couple other things that we'll talk about with Chip here. Texas's offensive line. They have not had an offensive line draftment since 2008, which is just oh, impossible oh to God. believe. Uh, and they may end up playing three freshman linebackers this year. Uh, they sort of have their own Manti Teo and Malik Jefferson, who is a five-star all-world recruit from Texas. So we're going to get into the interview with Chip right now. That will be the end of the show. And then we will be back next week to recap Tim's trip to the Kentucky Derby, along with the NFL draft. Uh, Tim's talk, trip to the hospital. Tim, right. The other Tim's trip to the hospital. So we got plenty to cover next week on the next Irish Illustrated Insider. But until then, here's my interview with Chip Brown. Welcome back to Irish Illustrated Insider. I'm joined by Chip Brown, Texas Insider. And uh, we're going to talk a little bit of Longhorns. It's never too early to preview the season. And uh, much like Notre Dame, they've got a quarter, quarterback competition in Austin. I think unlike Notre Dame, it's a, a little bit more uncertain about what they have on both guys. So I guess let's start there. Tyrone Swoops, Gerard Hurd, what did you make of, uh, I guess, where that stands coming out of spring ball? 
Yeah, I think that, uh, Pete, when you talk about the quarterback situation at Texas, you're talking about a situation that was probably at a D and may have improved to a C um, in terms of, you know, just exactly where Texas is. I mean, they changed the offense to feature the talents of, of Tyrone Swoops and Gerard Hurd more so than last year when really they were a pro-style offense that was built for Max Wittick, the USC quarterback who was going to graduate and transfer to Texas with two years of eligibility, uh, but he never graduated. So the, the plan blew up. And David Ash, the, the returning quarterback last year, who, of course, went down with a head injury in week one, and then they were stuck with Tyrone Swoops. And we're really lucky to get through the year with him healthy because they were redshirting uh, Gerard Hurd. He was the only other scholarship quarterback in the mix. So they feel like the light went on for Gerard Hurd in the final two weeks of spring ball. He completed his first nine passes in the spring game. He's the better runner than Tyrone Swoops. I think if if you pour true serum in the Texas coaches, they would want Gerard Hurd to keep making that kind of progress through the summer and into fall camp. And and even if he doesn't start against Notre Dame, um, that they would put him into that game for a package of plays. And, and if things took off, maybe he stays in the game. But I think uh, I think right now Tyrone Swoops is still the, the guy to beat. And he's a big, strong-armed quarterback, not a great runner, and did not run tough last year. If, you know, at 6'4", 245, they need him to run tough, run some people over, and he did not do that last year. So can he sort of change his personality as a quarterback? Uh, time will tell. You know, one of the things that's interesting to me about Texas is sort of the parallels between Brian Kelly's first year up here and then, uh, you know, Charlie Strong taking over from Mac Brown down there. Around here, you heard the term entitlement a lot. Soft guys not dedicated to the program, you know, not sort of buying all into what Notre Dame football was supposed to be. And it sounds like Charlie Strong has had sort of a similar situation down there. Year two for Brian Kelly up here, the team had the same record, but you felt like things were moving in a good direction. Um, you know, sort of an eight win to an eight win type situation. You know, do you feel something similar happening in Austin right now with Charlie and sort of getting his, his MO and his guys in there? I do. I think that this is the second year in a three-year rebuild. When you start with virtually nothing at quarterback and the, the talent on the offensive line was so far down when Charlie came in that you know you, you almost have no chance on offense, and then you, you're in the wrong offense. Uh, everything leads to a six and seven season. I think this year uh, they're ahead of the game offensively because a they've gotten Gerard Hurd out of the red shirt. He's competing for the job. They're going to bring in Kyle Loxley, who's a, a talented uh, quarterback with not a lot of experience. He played receiver his sophomore year in high school to get on the field, and you know he's going to have to learn quickly. He's the son of Mike Loxley, the offensive coordinator at Maryland. And in their offensive line, they brought in four early enrollees, and I think three of them are going to come in and help right away, um, including a junior college transfer and Tristan Nicholson, probably the right tackle, and maybe even 
uh, a true freshman starting at left tackle and Connor Williams. Either way, he'll play a lot. Number 55, they like him a lot. So I think they're improved. And their defense, while losing 60% of their production from last year with defensive tackle Malcolm Brown and linebackers Jordan Hicks and Steve Edmond and defensive end Seth Reed and cornerback Quandre Diggs, they recruited really well on the defensive side of the ball. And I think that they'll it'll take an adjustment period, but that defense is going to be good for years to come based on the, the talent they brought in. So I think there is more buy-in this year. The, the guys who are, who are on this roster are more tied into Charlie Strong. Uh, there were players weeded out last year. And so the question is, how quickly can that all come together? I saw the early line against Notre Dame is Notre Dame by 12 and a half. And that, that sounds about right um, because there's just too many question marks for Texas right now. Yeah. And I guess the last question, so a good season for Texas is what, I mean, I think the 12 point line probably would surprise Notre Dame fans uh, just because of what Notre Dame's November looked like. Um, But it sounds like from the perspective in Austin, uh, that's about right. Yeah, that that Notre Dame, or that Texas is almost going to be a two touchdown underdog in this game. Yeah, I think a good season for Texas with potential top ten teams in Notre Dame, TCU, and Baylor on the schedule. You have to you have to count those as losses going into the year. Um, you know that's that's nine and three right there. There's certainly more danger on that schedule. I think an eight win uh, season would be considered a step in the right direction, and then in 2016 compete for that double-digit win season in a, in a Big 12 championship. But I think this year an eight-win season would be seen as, as progress because it would mean they you know, won some games that they lost last year, and, and they need momentum. They certainly need momentum, continued uh, momentum in recruiting. Awesome. All right. Well, Chip Brown, thanks for coming on the show. Notre Dame fans, if you want to check out uh, all the Texas coverage from Horns Digest, that's the Texas site on scout.com. Check them out. Uh, Chip, they'll have you covered. So if you really want to do a deep dive into the Longhorns for the next four months until the season starts, uh, check them out. But again, Chip Brown, thanks for joining us on Irish Illustrated Insider. Thanks a lot, Pete. Take care.